good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today in this podcast, we're going to discuss physical health versus our spiritual health. Today we'll lead off with 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and we'll read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So with our health, either physical or spiritual, under the influence of the Holy Scriptures, let's just dig right in. Right. Thank you, Randy. That is our topic of the day. The current event is about our spiritual health versus physical health because of all the emphasis recently on the COVID shots and everybody getting that, you've got to get it, and et cetera. Uh, In today's culture, there is far more emphasis on physical health than spiritual health. And it's what, what emphasis there is is sort of silly. Here's a quote. Your body will achieve what your mind can believe. Mm. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. And, of course, the Christian expectation is, no. I think in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul has a big section on resurrection, which is about a new body. The body is sown in weakness, which is the death, the final disease that gets us all. Yet, that same body will be raised in power, so says St. Paul. Well, current event quote, here it is, Dr. Burks. Now, you remember Dr. Burke? She was with uh, Donald Trump when uh, he was president when COVID first started up. And she was, of course, a cohort of uh, Dr. Fauci. Fauci yeah. uh, she recently said this, which is a turnaround from what she was saying before. Quote, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. That's what she said. So what do we learn here, listeners? Let us not look to the government as our best guide to health, physical or spiritual. And whether or not we should be vaccinated is not the point of this podcast. Each will do what he or she thinks best as we seek the will of God. And there may no doubt be variation in that. But as to the arc of our life, what is the Christian experience as to healing? Well, it's this, to be good stewards of our bodies and to pray for healing. But spiritual health is always the first priority. Here's Randy on 1 Timothy 4.8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Yeah, bodily training, staying in good shape. Mm. Of course, spirit and body act upon one another for good or for bad. We recognize this as uh, put forth in Proverbs 17.22, Randy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit drives up the bones. Which is the exact opposite of what Bon Jovi said. Bon Jovi said, you know, it's bad medicine. This is good medicine. This is good good medicine. And uh, it's always been a good verse for me because it's the first Bible verse I can remember when I was like five years old, maybe, in Sunday school class. And the Sunday school teacher, dear old lady called Faye Johnson, who was a distant relative of uh, our family, she loved the King James Version, of course. It's, Mary heart doeth good like a medicine. Mm. And I remember that ever since. And have preached, in fact, sermons on why it's good to have laughter and humor in your life because it's spiritually good for you, and that affects bodily health. Indeed. Um, so, body affects the spirit. The spirit can affect the body. But what we're looking at today is not how they interact, but the fact that spiritual health is the priority. Now, we here at Christian Expectations are all for pursuing keeping physically healthy. For example, I'm 77. I have an exercise routine, but I've been doing this for for decades. I do take vitamins, although 
I've not found one for guys past 70, so I don't know. But what, <laughs> what I'm using for guys past 50 is actually doing any good or not. <laughs> There's a market there. Maybe There's a market get, yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and I do take two prescribed pills, blood pressure, cholesterol. Uh, and, again, to testify to my <laughs> faith in medicine, I've had six major operations, all of which took anesthesia. Uh, had appendix out. Then I had a hernia on the right side operation. And then I had a gallbladder out then a hernia on my left side operation, and then in between all those operations, a hand on the right hand operation, and then a left hand operation. So obviously, I don't have a problem with modern medicine. Uh, but we cannot allow that to become an idol uh, to disguise our dread of death. Mm. Eventually, our body will fail, and then where will we be? Thus, the importance of physical health. Uh, our problem with disease begins in Genesis 2, when God tells Adam uh, the following. Randy's going to read Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And he surely did die, though it took a while. In the meantime, death having entered his body, the whole problem of sickness and disease began to wind its way through the human race and make itself known. If Adam had kept his spiritual health, he would never have succumbed to death, and his descendants then would never have succumbed to sickness and disease. And yet God begins in the Old Testament to work the human race back to what will eventually be immortal health. Remember, God's health plan beats them all. For example, in the history of Israel, in the very beginning of their history, the very start, we have these proclamations about God, that they are promised freedom from disease if they keep their spiritual life in order. Randy's going to read Exodus 23, 23, 27. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and to the Hittites and to the Perizzites and to the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall surely overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. All right, so very clear. Uh, do not pick up the practices, the religions, the idols of the people uh, you're replacing, but uh, be faithful, follow the Lord, and these sicknesses, diseases will not come upon you. Big promise. And this is reiterated by Moses in Deuteronomy 7, 12 and 15. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you. But he will lay them on all who hate you. All right. So it's pretty clear in the witnesses of 2 or 3, Law of Moses, it's established um, our physical life and health depends upon keeping our spiritual life examples given to us in the covenant that Israel has with God. We move to the New Testament. It's the same truth. Spiritual life uh, not kept can lead to sickness and death. Remember uh, Ananias and Sapphira? Mm. 
Yes. And also, the church of Corinth suffered illness for not keeping their spiritual life in order. Randy's going to read this passage from 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 32. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Yes, and this is in the context, of course, of discussing communion and their abuse of communion. And they were getting sick because that spiritual life that they're supposed to maintain, and we as well, was not in order. Mm. They were abusing it. These examples point out that physical life is dependent on spiritual life, which makes having a healthy spiritual life the priority of life. Here's an Arabian proverb, quote, He who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. Well, yes, but if you have no health, you have no hope. So what then? Uh, better is this quote of G.K. Chesterton. Listen to this. The trouble with always trying to preserve the health of the body is that it is so difficult to do without destroying the health of the mind. Mm. So take that to heart. That's why Father Brown always rode a bicycle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. Solve a mystery with his mind, and that filtered down to his body, and he got excited and regenerated, and, and his bones and muscles, absolutely. G.K. Chesterton wrote Father Brown. Father Brown, Brown. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. yes. Just in case, Just in case our, case our listeners didn't, know, didn't that. know that. It was right. a joke. It, it was, was a, a joke. Ha, ha, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, what does Scripture say? Scripture does not exclude medicine or doctors. We here at Christian Expectation, we're not Christian scientists, meaning the church. Let me quote from uh, their website. Quote, Christian science explains the spiritual laws of love that Jesus relied on to heal sickness and sin. These laws are reliable and can be proven, end quote. Christian uh, scientists uh, do not forbid seeking medical help, but they do discourage it. Scriptures do not. They just require that we keep our spiritual health the priority. Mm. Scriptures do not deny the usefulness of medicine. Jesus affirms it, while at the same time also affirming spiritual health as a priority. This is terrific. Mark's, um, Randy's going to read Mark 2.17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. There is a spiritual priority, but he precedes that with a comment, If you're sick... You have need of a physician. Mm -hmm. Very clear, very obvious. Luke, who for good reasons we shall see was often with Paul in an official capacity, was a doctor. Colossians 4.14, Randy reads, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Okay, beloved physician. Not beloved Luke. Beloved physician. Mm. Uh, it's good to have a doctor you can love yeah. and trust. And we'll see later why Paul, especially when he was in prison, when he wrote this letter to the church Colossae, would have reason to have Luke with him. Let's take a look at the Old Testament. Hezekiah at one point needed medical aid, though, I mean, the healing comes from God, but it came through also medical aid. Randy's going to read an interesting story here. 2 Kings 20, the first seven verses. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, 
Please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs, and let them take and lay it on the boil, that he may recover. There you go. God's going to heal him through the means of applied medicine of the day, figs. I'm not, I must confess, an expert on fig medicine. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. uh, but apparently... There are no fig newtons. There yeah, no figs. Uh, it works. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, we have King Asa, who became faithless, uh, unfortunately, and because of his faithlessness, decided not to trust God concerning his serious health problem, and he soon passed on. Raymond's going to read this sad story. Second Chronicles 16, 12 through 13. In the 39th year of the reign of Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became very severe. Yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. Asa is not rebuked for using a physician, but because he didn't seek the Lord in prayer. As we shall see, these two often go together with prayer, as we shall see. First, before you even think about calling a doctor. So, should our prayer be this? Should it be for healing or healing? Or should we pray, uh, God's will be done? Uh, reason I bring this up is because I grew up in a, um, a church where I was always hearing this at prayer time. Lord, if it is your will, heal Brother Smith. Uh, Lord God, Jesus, uh, heal Sister Jones, if it's your will. And that tagline, if it's your will, was always there. And as a kid, I finally concluded... What's the point of praying? If either they're going to be healed or they're not, God's will is going to be God's will. So mm -hmm. what, what does prayer have to do with it? Well, here's what I believe and what I find in the scriptures. We believe prayer should be for healing. When you pray for people, we pray for their healing. Healing is the expectation. For example, when Jesus sent out the 12, listen to this from Matthew 10.8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Absolutely. And then in uh, Luke chapter 10, Randy's going to read three verses, uh, one and two and verse nine, when he sent out the 72, when he commissioned them to go out two by two. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Yeah, not try to heal the sick. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Mm -hmm. And then we come to our church setting, well-known passage. Here is from James chapter 5. Listen carefully to it because we have a couple of technical things to say. Verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Uh, yes, let's take a look at this a little specifically. Uh, by the way, I'm going to refer to a couple of Greek words here. Uh, these definitions and understandings come from Dr. Mounts. That's William Mounts. Uh, his books on Greek are the standard ones, I think, used more than maybe anybody else's in seminaries and uh, theological schools, and I use it. Uh, and verse 14, is any among you sick, call for the elders of the church. Uh, the Greek word is uh, asthenio, and it's the usual word for sick, but how sick? When we come to verse 15, where the prayer of faith will raise up him who is sick, it's a different Greek word, the word kamno, it's K-A-M-N-O. And it means not just sick, but weary, tired out, and exhausted. Mm. So, in other words, when do you call for the elders of the church? When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. When, you, when your prayers have not worked, when others have prayed for you, that's the third option. So, prayer first, and then if all else fails, call for the elders. But as I mentioned, between our first prayers, and then when you reach the point where there's nothing left but call for the elders, there's the individual prayer that we heard, or going to hear. So, between our individual prayer first and the call for the elders at last is the middle ground found in verse 16. Randy, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There you go. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins and pray that you may be healed. Now, that doesn't mean that all bad health is from sin. It just means that there is connection historically and so often we find in scriptures. Um, confessing our sins publicly, but the best way to do that is with the communal rendering of the Lord's Prayer. Um, we did that for years where I was pastoring because I thought the uh, we needed some kind of high church uh, liturgy there. So once a month we did the Lord's Prayer and responsive reading and forgive us of our sins. So we, everybody together is confessing, forgive us of our sins. Mm -hmm. uh, other sins, probably maybe you need to do one-on-one -on -one with somebody you can trust and that matter. But what we're looking at here, first and foremost, is not that issue, which is a long podcast in itself. Note the expectation is healing. Quote, pray for one another that you may be healed. Now listen, this is what we find. John writing in 3 John, I was going to say first chapter, but there's only a chapter there. So <laughs> it's just first, 3 John and verses 1 and 2. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. All right. Soul, of course, basic word there, soul in the Greek is life. May you have health and may it go well with your life. Well, that should be our hope for all of us, right? I mean, mm -hmm. who wants to wish somebody to be sick and sick and sick? And we might add that the majority of people who first get sick, Christian or not, get well. I mean, I've known people all my life who get sick, they get well. They get sick, they get well. Most do. This is because of the common grace of God, showering his mercies on the good and the bad equally, just as Jesus says in Matthew 5.45. So this is the expectation. This is the approach and attitude we should have when praying for someone to be healed. Note again what is said in James 5.15 about the prayer of faith. It will save, meaning it will heal the one who is sick. The time of recovery is not indicated. It might be soon, might be immediate, might be a week, you know, there's no, there's no time element involved there, so that takes also faith and prayer. But neither is it mentioned in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, one of my favorite opening lines of a psalm, and you'll know why when Randy reads it. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There you go, youth renewed like the eagles. But notice the progression. First, spiritual life, forgiveness of sins. Then bodily life, health. And then total life, saved from the pit, which is fulfilled in the New Testament, coming with the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrections to come. But are there exceptions? Well, yes, because though we are encouraged to pray, expecting healing, that's how we always start, God's will is unknown to us. Because I'd simply say this, he may have something else on his mind. Listen to this from 1 John 5, 14 through 15. I think it applies to just about anything in our endeavors. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Yes, and there's a kind of a, a sometimes a supernatural element to this. I have prayed for people on occasion when I had a sense of, you're going to be healed. I just knew it. I felt it within me. I've had others. You remember Bill Price? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he had that conversation with me where he had prayed for somebody in a hospital room. He said, I knew as soon as I left, they're going to be healed. You know, he had that. Mm -hmm. Other times I have prayed for people and had no sense of anything. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lady uh, in Blanchester and she was a serious operation. She might end up with a um, colostomy mm -hmm. and a side of the attachment to the side for your bowels. And she was so upset about that. And she just begged me, pre pray that that won't happen. Pray, pray for me, pray for me. I said, I will, I will, I will. And I began praying. I thought, well, I, I feel bad about this because I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say I prayed and I failed or whatever. But I prayed. Hey, she didn't need it. She was fine. The operation succeeded. It was terrific. So there is this matter of God's will and our sense of it. Note James's quote on God's will in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. I'm simply going to reference it, and that's when he says, listen, you people who say you're going to go to town next year and you're going to go to this place and make money, what you ought to say is, if God wills. Mm -hmm. So that's that's from the book of James as well. So uh, with that and with John's reference, you know, there are these matters that we got to consider the will of God. Uh, it is apparently not God's will to always heal. So let's take a look at that. First of all, there are uncertainties. You don't know. You know, we, we want people to heal, but then sometimes they linger, they linger on the edge of death. You don't know what's going on. Here's a very good passage Randy's going to read from Philippians 2, 25 through 30. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, so he, he did not put his personal health first. He put his spiritual needs of the church of Philippi first. Mm. And Paul, apparently, though he's apostolically empowered to heal people, that wasn't happening. 
because Paul says, God had mercy on me as well. I mean, I was at God's mercy. We didn't know what was going to happen. And finally, he recovered. He was healed. So we have uncertainties. Paul had uncertainties about his own illnesses. Listen to this from Galatians 4, 12 through 15. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Right. We might say, well, why didn't the Lord keep Paul always in good health? I mean, he's the apostle of Gentiles, but nope. Uh, uncertainties. Paul got, we don't know what it is. Uh, theologians speculate, but um, point is, he was really sick, and he says, I wouldn't have been there had it been for the sickness, and I was really laid low, and you people took care of me, and you were ready to pull out your own eyes for me. So mm -hmm. there are uncertainties, and there are exceptions where people don't get healed. Other things are recommended. Listen to this passage, interesting passage, 1 Timothy 5, 23. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Frequent ailments. Mm. Timothy did not have good health. He was a great spiritual help to Paul, though, and his spiritual life is what matters. But Paul is concerned about his physical state. Apparently, for whatever reason, uh, Timothy didn't imbibe in the wine. Paul encouraged him, forget just doing the water thing. You need some wine. And we all know there are some uh, medication uses because of the uh, content of the alcohol. But note that phrase, your frequent ailments. Ailments, plural, frequent, meaning they happen often. He was always in a state of bad health. And I'm sure Paul had prayed for him and others. Mm -hmm. Then there's Paul's own testimony here about leaving some people sick, left it behind. 2 Timothy 4, verses 19 through 20. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Trophimus, he left ill. He's just sick. Maybe he got better. We hope he did. But there was no immediate heal healing, no apostolic laying on of hands or anything like that because he left in there when Paul took off. And sometimes there is not healing even for those who have healed others and even raised them from the dead. 2 Kings 13, 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. The chariots of Israel and its horsemen, meaning he was the spiritual power and strength. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the real horses and chariots with the ministry he had. But notice, he got a disease from which he died, even though he had raised uh, the son of the uh, Shunammite, raised him from the dead. And we must also note that many gifts have been given to the church and healing is one of many. Let's look at this and understand something. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, 
Yes, the gift of healing was just one among many. And clearly, if physical health was as important as some people think, why, there would have been nothing but gifts of healing. Mm. Go out and do it all the time. What is the one to desire? What gifts should be desired above all? Let's, this is interesting. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. There you go. We don't have time to get into the whole matter of what prophesying is, but it is clear one of the results of it, the primary reason, is it encourages people. Mm. You can find this also in Acts 15, where Silas is a prophet and he encourages the people he's preaching to. So it encourages encourages the church to pursue above all the gift of prophesying. So this is what you should get because this is what people need. But again, see, that affects the spirit. That's spiritual life. Mm. People need encouragement, especially the kind of encouragement that gets into a person's heart. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 24 through 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and as, and as so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. There, there you go. Because of someone's prophecy, let's, let's just, for vernacular's sake, say someone's testimony, inspired by God, uh, touched this man's heart mm-hmm. and made him see that God was there and God was among him, and that was his, that was his testimony, his encouragement. Uh, in our church, we have often people come forward to testify. The uh, young lady who came forward Sunday, mm-hmm. and her testimony was she'd been in dark place and mm-hmm. gotten out of the clutch of Satan. Basically, testimony, a kind of, uh, as I understand Paul here, prophesying because it deals with encouragement. And She also has asked uh, for us to anoint her home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, uh, with oil, mm-hmm. and that she could be baptized this coming Sunday. Amen. Yeah. There you so, go. Yeah. Now, others were there to hear that testimony. So, in other words, the gift that heals spiritually is to be preferred. Mm -hmm. A testimony of encouragement can encourage a confession by another. And so it goes. Besides, Scripture makes plain that sickness is to be viewed sometimes as a time of discipline to sanctify us. It may be a sickness brought by sin or just part of God's providence to draw us nearer. Let's investigate a few verses here. Uh, Randy's going to read Psalm 119, 67, 71, and 75. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. There you go. Three verses where the psalmist, and Psalm 119 is this great psalm of um, the fellow who wants to praise God for the word of God, the testimonies, the uh, principles, laws, and all that. And he confesses that uh, he wasn't paying attention like he should have been until he became afflicted. Mm. And he states that different ways three times. When Paul, as Saul on the road to Damascus, gets uh, turned around, um, Jesus sends... uh, and, uh, from Ananias to talk to him and says, tell him this. Randy reads Acts 9.16. 
for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. There you go. He was not concerned that much, first of all, it seems like about Paul's bodily health. What does the record show as to the fulfillment of this word of Jesus to Ananias about how Paul was going to suffer? Listen to this litany of abuse of one's body and health <laughs> from 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 28. I think I need some ibuprofen before I read it. There you it, go, actually. get some yeah. yeah. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Yes. Now, did Paul have this, all this affect his health? <laughs> yes. Now, he was having a bad day that day, yeah. too. <laughs> now we know why when he wrote Colossians, he mentioned he had the beloved position with him because as Paul got older, mm -hmm. these things, as football players and others can tell you, when your body takes a beating, your health is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, this is our Lord. What should we say about this? Here's a, this is a quote by C.S. Lewis, but it's not original with him. It comes from a guy he liked, George MacDonald. He's a big fan of George MacDonald, a Christian writer and wrote fiction and was a preacher as well. Here's the quote. God is easy to please, but hard to satisfy. Mm -hmm. And we may say, I always want perfect health, but God has other ways of helping us get to a place where we will have one day the ultimate health and resurrection. And, of course, to really drive home this point about Paul, that, that his body was so beaten from pillar to post and uh, he was without food often and exposure to, to uh, all the elements, to the cold and the water. Wow. He had this experience. This is from 2 Corinthians 12 where he talks about being taken up into uh, paradise, the third heaven, where he heard things, revelations, not to be uttered on earth. It was a, it was a wonderful, I'm sure in many ways, a, a life-altering in some respects, uh, trip to heaven. Not unlike the ones you read about today, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But it came at a cost, as Randy reads 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Thorn in the flesh. Most commentators find this as some kind of physical issue. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it was a painful thing uh, of the body, as we've seen 
the psalmist has said, when I was afflicted, you know, I, I learned a lesson. And the Lord God, Jesus, does this for Paul for sanctification. This was not given him because he had sinned, but to keep him from sinning. Wow. And, of course, we got to end with this. There's Job, who was not sick at all and was even recommended by God to Satan as a righteous man. And you know the story. We're going to look at chapter 2, where it affects finally Job's health. He's lost his, uh, his wealth. He's lost his children. And now we come to Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited him against me to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat there in ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Extraordinary, and certainly beyond my understanding and, and comprehension. Mm -hmm. Again, all this came upon Job, this disastrous turn of bad, bad, really bad health. And you have to read the whole book, too, because he brings it up time and time and time again. When... He was already recommended as righteous, but of course, the book ends. You can go to it and find out what he learns about God. And I believe if Job were to testify today, he'd say, yes, but what I got at the end, I look back and I say, it was worth it all. Mm -hmm. Hard for us to believe that. But this is how our Lord God works in the providence of this matter of spiritual health. Here is a terrific quote from a guy I studied Oh, back, I think it's back in the 70s and 80s, doing some theological studies. Um, and he is the, uh, one of the renowned theologians of the 19th century. His name is John Henry Newman. Uh, he began as an Anglican, and then, through his own studies, decided he needed to leave the Anglican Church and become Catholic. And in the Catholic Church, he rose to be a cardinal. And later, in fact, in uh, 2019, he was canonized as a saint by the Catholic Church. Mm. And he was a great help to me in some of his doctoral studies on how to understand the nature of truth and history and to appreciate it. But this is dealing with the subject at hand. Listen to this. I will trust him, whatever, wherever I am. I can never be thrown away. If I'm in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I'm in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. My sickness or perplexity or sorrow may be necessary causes of some great end which is quite beyond us. He does nothing 
and vain. And I might add, uh, my studies have been clear across all denominations, and I've yet to find a denomination where I haven't found somebody I've learned things from. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I rejoice in that. Ecumenical learning. Ecumenical learning, absolutely. Mm -hmm. A spiritual health, as we conclude, is far more important than physical health. Who doesn't want to be healthy, you know? But we live in a culture that is in denial of death. People who want to prolong life, even to the point of cryonic entombment, you know, freeze your head, <laughs> like a hero of mine, Ted Williams. I mean, that horrible end, I think, but I love the guy as a ball player. But. And science continues to echo the quest of finding a cure for old age. I just read an article a couple of weeks ago. And uh, no, I did not take it to heart. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, Scripture uses physical health or lack of it to point to the greater spiritual needs of us all. Jesus aligns himself with physicians, but as a physician who specializes, above all, in spiritual healing. Uh, earlier at the beginning, Randy quoted 1 Timothy 4.8 about bodily exercise helps a little, but godliness is better for this life and the next. Above all, we need a doctor who can raise us from the dead to a life immortal, where the pain of sickness never enters as promised in Revelation 21. Indeed, we may be sown in weakness, but we'll be raised in power. Jesus does heal, but above all, he saves, and that is the Christian expectation. Well, Jim, here's to your health. <laughs> <laughs> You've given us a lot to think about. Break out the wine, we'll have a toast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you might have questions and comments about it. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. Please send that to us to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations all together at gmail.com. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time, keep looking up.